0: Hallelujah, God, right now, we're we're coming into your presence, Lord, we're already there. We know that you're here, God, because your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, I'm in the midst, so he's already here. Let's come getting our expectors on. Let's come watching what only God can do. You see, we come to the end of ourselves many times, and when we come to the end of ourselves, then God can move in and say, now let me do what only I can do. You see, we're limited in the flesh. He is not limited by any means necessary. Let's come expecting today. Let's come expecting to become the church that God intended for the church to be. You see, we can't be weak-minded any longer we have to become the church you see this the church is not these four walls we are the church let us go out from here and let us seek those that are lost let us go out from here and tell people who are sick you can be healed in jesus name let's come expecting today and just see just exactly what god is going to do not what he can do what he is yes. going yes. to do yes. you see let's not leave a defeated life yes. we're not defeated amen. we've already won the battle yes. Hallelujah. revelation tells us that we've already won the battle yes. let's come expecting today amen yes. amen are we willing to pay the price Because if you think about it, here in America, we have it pretty good here. There are people in other countries who are persecuted, and if they're found out, they're actually put to death. Are we willing to go to that limit? You see, this year is the year of awakening, and this month is the power of God. You see, we serve a very powerful God. See, in the Bible, we find God working with men in various ways at different times. In the Old Testament, He worked with with men. In the Gospels, we see Jesus working among men. But in the book of Acts, which we're in right now, we see the Holy Spirit working within us. Fifty days after Passover comes the day of Pentecost. It was the feast of the first fruits of the harvest, and on this day something occurred that brought forth the first fruit harvest of the gospel. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to start with verses 1 through 4. Now, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 2 says, And suddenly... How many of you are waiting on your suddenly to come? And suddenly... or the promise. You see, they were waiting in Jerusalem, and the only reason they were waiting in Jerusalem was they were being obedient to what Jesus had told them to do. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them. You see, Jesus is commanding us to do certain things. I tell my students, especially at the, at the high school, I tell them there's not a person who has been put on this earth who was not put here for a purpose. Every person, no matter whether you're in here or, you're, or whether you're an adult, whether you're a child, whatever, you were put here for a purpose. So He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise Of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So they were all together in one accord. Here's kind of what I'm seeing. We're not all together in one accord. I hear it said numerous times, we want to see a movement of God, but we're not in one accord. You see, we've got to be about God's business, but we've got to be working in what our purpose is. We can't be looking at the praise team saying, well, I would like to be on the praise team, but your purpose is not to be on the praise team. I would like to do this, but your purpose is not to do this or that. Your purpose is to find out what God has for you and work in that. Because that's where your grace is going to come. That's where your strength is going to come. Because when you're working in your purpose, then you're going to fulfill what God has plans for you to do. See, Acts 1.14 says, These all continued with one accord, In prayer and supplication with the women and and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I saw this quote and it was kind of interesting. Because it got me thinking about here in Morgantown. It says, snowflakes are fragile things. So by itself, it's a very fragile thing. However, when they stick together, they can stop traffic. Think about it. By yourself, you're fragile. But when we come together in one accord, we can stop traffic. Amen? You see, they believed in the power of prayer. This church believes in the power of prayer. We have seen numerous times over and over and over and over and over again, I mean, I've only been here for eight years, but I have seen numerous times that God has just answered prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. Because we believe we come expecting God to do something, and we wait on Him, and then we move when it's time for us to move. And I saw this, this story. It said, a businessman in a small town that had been dry revealed his plans to open a tavern. Now, if you know anything about a dry Dry town, that means there are no alcoholic beverages to be sold in that town. Christians from a local church planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. Shortly thereafter, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. The owner brought a lawsuit against the church claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible The church hired an attorney to argue in court that they were not responsible for the man's property being destroyed. The presiding judge, after his review of the case, stated, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. So... We must, number one, enter in prayer. We must start seeking God to find out what does He want out of us. And don't be scared to ask Him because here's the thing, if you're working in your purpose, He's going to give you the strength to fulfill it. It's when you're working outside of your purpose that you're not going to have the strength to fulfill it because now you're under your own strength and not under the strength of God. So waiting on God, how many of us like to wait for things? Mm, I don't see a lot of hands. Okay. So obviously, waiting can be very difficult. right? Because what you really start to think is, is our time versus God's time. Our time is a ticking second minute hour. God's time is eternity, which means it doesn't end. And most of us don't like to wait. Now, don't flinch or anything, but how many of us, when we go through McDonald's or go through Burger King, and we go through the drive-thru, and cars are backed up, or go through Dunkin' and the cars are backed up, we start getting a little frustrated because the cars aren't moving. And we're saying, well, they're inside. They're they're not working fast enough because I want my latte. All right. See, waiting sometimes teaches us patience, and patience teaches us humility. Before we begin to do anything, we need to wait for God's guidance. How many of us have got up and said, I would love to do this, or I would love to do that? And maybe God gave you a vision, or maybe God told you, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. But sometimes we think, when God tells us we're going to do X, Y, and Z, that's for right now. He may be telling us we're going to do X, Y, and Z in the future, but before you get to X, Y, and Z, you got to do A, B, and C. All right? You see, Psalm 40, verse 1 says this. I waited patiently for the Lord. Again, how many of us like to wait? Oh, I didn't see any hands go up. Okay, I didn't even put my hand up. And he inclined unto me, all right? And this kind of jumped off to me. When you're talking to people, right? when you're actually talking to people and you're communicating with people, if they're really listening, this is one of the things they taught us in the military and and I do with my students even now. When my students are talking to me or when people are talking to me, if I incline, that means I'm leaning forward, that means I'm listening, right? When we start talking to God, guess what he does? He inclines unto me. He leans forward and he's listening to what we're having to say. Kind of like you kind of like if you're talking to your dad, if I'm talking to my dad or, or or when I had the conversation with my dad, my dad was you know, he was inclining, he was listening, he was wanting to know what I had to say. Well, God is the same way. He is our Father, right? God is the same way with each one of us and those that are on on live stream. He is the same exact way with us. When we're talking to Him, He's interested in what we have to say. He can handle it. Maybe you're upset about something. That's fine. He can handle it. Because when we wait patiently for Him, He inclines unto us and He heard my cry so the next thing would be receiving the power like a mighty rushing wind the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone so they were waiting and while they were waiting they didn't know a time frame did it really matter no the hundred and twenty were waiting in that room they were waiting for a promise that they knew was going to come at some point. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given temporarily to certain individuals for special service. In the New Testament, he is, the, he is with believers and dwells with them permanently. And we see this in John 14, verse 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You see, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them, and the Holy Spirit was in them. He baptizes believers into the body of Christ. He teaches us and leads us. He comforts us when we are bereaved and discouraged. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever, I have said to you. Now when we get to Acts Acts 2.4, it says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what is the nature of tongues? The word tongues simply means languages. So the word is speaking of actual languages, whether men or of angels, which are inspired as the Spirit gives utterance. So the Holy Spirit is the author of them. Tongues served as a sign, wherefore tongues are for a sign. They serve as a sign of the Holy Spirit baptism, a sign of the supernatural to unbelievers. Tongues were prophesied of before the day of Pentecost. We see that out of the book of Joel. But then, after Pentecost, my favorite character out of the Bible is Peter. Peter was very prideful. I have a problem with that sometimes. He was, but he went on to write the two books on humility. But on this day, he stands up and begins to preach Jesus. He stands up He said, Acts 2, verses 16 through 21. He stands up and he says... I'll just back up just a little bit. You don't have to fix it. Um, Verse 13. The people were mocking them, saying that they are full of new wine. However, Peter standing up in the with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass. In the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Are we waiting on that? It's already here. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall, not, shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, he said it fulfilled a prophecy. He told them that Jesus was the risen and exalted Lord. He called upon the people to repent. And out of that came 3,000 souls that was added to the church that day. So how do we fulfill our purpose? How do we fulfill the purpose? The waiting church, which they were waiting. It really didn't give a number of days, but they were waiting. The waiting church was transformed now into... The working church. The same is applying to us. Because the book of Acts is still being written. We are no longer waiting. We have been moved into the working. They were excited about the Savior. They began to move out of their group into the world. That means we have to come out of the building and come out of our comfort zone and go out into the world, which means it may take us out of our box. How many of us like to be in our comfort zone? I'll put my hand up on that. Sure, every one of us love to be in our comfort zone. It's when we get moved out of our comfort zone that we have to begin to trust in God. That we begin to have to trust in His power and not our own. That we have to begin to know that He is with us and He'll never leave us nor forsake us. They were obedient to Christ's great commission. And that's Mark 16, verse 14 through 19. I love these verses. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and unbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. You see... They went back and told the disciples He had already he had risen. And they didn't believe it because they couldn't see it. Now, if you go back and you read, I believe in Matthew, if you read the Great Commission in Matthew, Thomas wanted to put his hands in, in his side and his finger in, his, in the hole. And he said, Thomas, you believe, but greater are those who are going to believe, but yet have not seen. All right. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, does that mean you have to be a preacher? No. No. Let's get away from that. All right. Does that mean you have to be one of the fivefold ministry? No. Guess Guess what that verse means? You've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and to go tell people about Jesus. Is it going to be hard? Maybe, at first. But how many of us love Jesus? And he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that are preachers. Is that what it says? And these signs shall follow them that work in children's church. And these signs shall follow them that. And these signs shall follow them that. And these signs shall follow them that. There you go. In my name shall they cast out devils. So we have power over devils. They shall speak with new tongues. That means your talking is going to change. They shall take up serpents, and they shall if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they and they shall they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Shall recover. That means somebody comes in here sick. Guess what? We can put our hands on them. We don't have to be afraid of it. We can put our hands on them. We can pray over them. We can rebuke that spirit. Amen. We can rebuke that disease. And that disease has to go away. Amen. Thank you, Lord. They show, so then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And he's sitting there waiting for God to say, Go get your bride. See, they were committed in the face of persecution. If we read some of the stories in the book of Acts, we know Stephen was stoned to death because of his faith. John and Peter were arrested and beaten for preaching Jesus. The whole church faced the threat of persecution. They faced the threat of jail. And they faced the threat of death. However, the church is powerful. You see, we know people were being saved on a daily basis. If you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They witnessed miraculous conversions when Peter preached. 3,000 souls were saved. Later on, you'll hear in the book of Acts, 5,000 souls were saved. They witnessed many miracles and manifestations of the power of God in their midst. How many of us have seen God move in a particular way? When we think it's not going to happen, and then all of a sudden, but God see, we want to see things from the natural because a lot of times we have a hard time seeing things from the spiritual. We're waiting for God to do something, and sometimes, sometimes, church, He's waiting on us. We're waiting on Him, and He's sitting there waiting on us. They were hated by the world, but... See, I teach, my, I teach my students about conjunctions, and I told them, I said, my favorite conjunction is the word but. And they're like, they just kind of looked at me kind of strange, like, why would you say that? Because that conjunction negates anything prior to it. You see, they were hated by the world, but they had the power of God didn't matter that they were hated, they had the power of God. Are we going to be hated? Yes. But, we have the power of God. See, many of us stop after the point where we go, the world hates me. Well, guess what? They hated Jesus too. Amen? So what must we do? First thing, we have to wait. I wish I could tell you anything any different. Unfortunately, we have to wait. Number two, we have to be patient. I know that's hard to swallow. One of the things is, please do not ever ask God to teach you patience. He will. He will teach you patience. But we must. We must. How many of you know we're in a battle, we're in a war? Amen. We must, those of us who were in the military, we know, They give us gear to help protect us. Well, we have gear to help protect us in this battle. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might. We have to put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look, when I was in the military, when Sam was in the military, they would issue us gear. Right? I had what was called chem warfare gear. Chemical warfare, biological warfare gear. Right? Did it do me any good if I left it in the bag in a situation when I had to wear it? No. No. But it did do me some good when I had to put it on. All right. Does the whole armor of God, putting on the whole armor of God, if you just kind of set it off to the side, but you don't put it, you don't put it on, is it going to do you any good? No. No. So verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers. of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is one of the problems that I had. <clears throat> we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We have to look beyond, beyond the, the individual and realize who's probably pushing our buttons. It's not the individual. It is the devil or the, or the demonic forces behind that individual that is pushing the buttons because whether you believe it or not, the devil knows what your buttons are. He knows what's going to affect you. He knows what's going to get you riled up. And he'll use somebody that'll poke, you, poke them and, and they'll turn around and they'll poke that button. Stand therefore, verse 14, having your loins girded about the tr- with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That means you're going to have to open your mouth. That means you're going to have to be bold. That means if you want to win somebody to the Lord, you're going to have to be bold. Does that mean you've got to browbeat them? No. But you've got to be bold. That means you, you have confidence. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as, ought, as I ought to speak. You see, during any war, the enemy's strategy is to conceal and hide some important information from the adversary so that they will not be successful in their endeavor. In fact, the enemy will try to subdue the adversary so that they succumb to defeat. The information that they intend to hide is usually so vital that it is the deciding factor for winning or losing the war. Can I say this? We've already won. We won over 2,000 years ago. We're just fighting right now. So why do so many Christians lead defeated lives? Satan doesn't want them to know that they are already in a spiritual battle. And they could just live their lives out just as other people do in the world. He is sneaky and makes them believe by shrouding the truth from their eyes to look into God's Word and be alert and at the same time to be defensive and offensive in the spiritual battle. One of my favorite generals was General George S. Patton. And they asked him, why do you not go back? And, and one of his main things was he said he never wanted to go back and take land he already took. He was always on the offensive. Now some people don't like him because of his attitude and things, but he was always on the offensive. Church, we got to get on the offensive. Amen. We can't be on our heels getting knocked around. We've got to get on the offensive, and we are. We're knocking him backwards. Let's not give back land we've already taken. See, they, they don't explore Scripture, and they don't get deep into His Word, nor are proactive. So what's the opposite of proactive? Reactive. So many times we are reactive and not proactive and taking steps to have an intimate walk with Him. They chose rather to just have a very casual relationship with Jesus. Before they find the truth to set them free, they have already lost it all. Therefore, it is very important for every Christian to know, understand, and to be active in spiritual battle daily. Otherwise, they can easily be consumed by the world and demonic influences. God's people are still called out. They're called to root out. They're called to pull down. They're called to destroy. They're called to throw down, build up, and plant. We don't engage in physical battles. we got to remember that. It's not the individual that we're fighting against. It's the power behind that individual. We have spiritual weapons for offense and defense, including the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and we have prayer. So what are the three things Satan doesn't want us to know? Spiritual battle, then a physical one. He doesn't want us to have the authority in Christ by using the whole armor of God. James tells us that if Satan is resisted, so if you could put up James 4, 7 for me. A lot of people quote this verse. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But then people say, well, I'm resisting the devil, but he's not fleeing. Because you forgot the first part. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's where we say, well, I'm resisting the devil, but he's not fleeing. Because you're not submitted to God. The devil is afraid of a submitted person. He is petrified of a submitted person. Because where does the power come from? It comes from God. By us just resisting the devil has absolutely nothing to do with anything if we're not submitted. See, Paul calls the Bible the sword of the Spirit The sword is an offensive weapon that soldiers use to expand their territory and take something over. Putting the Bible into practice is how you invade Satan's territory. Satan isn't afraid of your words or mine, but he is afraid of God's word. Being able to use God's word against Satan is one of the most important marks of spiritual maturity. See, Jesus did this, and we can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. See, when Satan tempted Jesus three times in the wilderness, Jesus always responded by quoting the Bible. Jesus didn't have to pull out of his pocket Old Testament to respond to Satan. He had already hidden the Word in his heart. That's how you defeat the devil. Through memorization. When you read the Bible many times, when you read the Bible over time, when you're in need of it, when you're in need of a scripture, that's when the Holy Spirit brings it right to you. But if you never read it, what are you going to fight with? So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 4. And church, listen. If Jesus had to use the Bible to fight the devil, why would we think... We don't. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written. It is written. Brothers and sisters, let's get this deep down inside us. Not up here. Let's get it down in here. Let's get it down inside us. And let's start knocking the devil back a little bit more. We're already knocking him back. but let's keep knocking him back. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, uh Uh-oh, the devil knows the Bible too. But he twists it. And if we don't know this, we don't know if it's a lie or if it's truth. Cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And he saith unto them, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. You see, we have to be memorizing Scripture. I know in my Monday night class, they have, they have been undertaking that. Um, those verses give us power most people don't have but again if we don't read this and I mean really read it that means get it deep down inside our spirits then we're not going to really have anything to fight with we must pray in the spirit is the third one see God Thoroughly equipped us, his children, for every battle that may face us. Let us be careful and know what to do at any given time. Are you fully equipped for this battle? See, the battle is long, and our clever enemy will attack when we least expect it. Let us take heart in that we serve a risen Savior who has already defeated our foe. The flip side to that is allowing Him to play those mind games. Let's take back control of our minds. Casting down imaginations, as 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The church that God blesses is the church that is in one accord. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Faithful in proclaiming the gospel to the world. I saw this quote and it was kind of interesting. The churches of today are so subnormal that if one of them gets normal, everybody thinks it's abnormal. Now it's decision time, if y'all could pass out the communion. Today, those here and those live streaming, we allow the Holy Spirit to have control of your life. Let us come to the end of ourselves and start letting God be God. See, I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems, that all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams, I love to tell the story, it did so much for me. See, when I think of where God brought me from, where God has brought me out of, I look back and I go, only God could have done that. I could not have done it myself. It was His strength that brought me out. It was His strength and His love and His mercy and His grace that brought me to where I needed to be. I don't know a lot about why things happen the way they do, but I do know one thing. When I came to the end of myself, then God could finally work. But as long as I didn't come to the end of myself, there was nothing I could do about it. You know, we're going to take communion today. I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Also, for I received... From the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. I have a hard time with this because I know what God took me out of. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we break the bread, think about what he did. He got what we deserved. You may take the bread. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If it wasn't for this, we would not have the remission of sins. If it wasn't for this, we would have no hope if it wasn't for this where would we be nothing nothing but the blood of jesus nothing but the blood of jesus a sinless lamb went to the cross for you and me. And you say, why? Because of love. I think back to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that any man who should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I am a father and I can pretty much tell you what I have given up my son or my daughter, would I give up one of my kids? That'd be hard, that'd be hard. I can honestly say it, that would be hard. I don't know, I've never was faced with that. And thank God I've never had been. The blood for the remission of sins, healing diseases the blood you may take the cup God I thank you for this time I thank you for Jesus I thank you for your body I thank you for your blood. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for Pastor Rena and Apostle. I thank you for my church family. God, help us to be about your business as we leave here. Help us to be about your business. Because what is your business? Saving lost souls. I've shared this at Monongahela numerous times. The Holy Spirit told me this one time, he said, Rusty said, one soul in hell is one soul too many. One soul in hell is one soul too many. We have a world that is dying and going to hell. And we're being comfortable. And I'm talking to myself, too. We're being comfortable. Let's be about the Father's business. Amen? I'll be out front here. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be more than happy to pray with you. Amen? And we'll see you on Wednesday night.